Tina and Veronica reunited at last. A jungle-themed party with some of the best outfits Challenge House has ever seen. Competitors old and slightly less old coming back in, sizing each other up. A doozy of a puzzle to kick off the season. TJ is out here dropping twist after twist already. In a challenge historian favorite goes out first. My heart is already breaking. We've got all former finalists, all very sweaty, all of the time, battling it out for challenge glory deep in the jungles of Panama. That's right. It's time. The Challenge All-Stars 3 premiere recap episode coming up right now. What up, my fellow Challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things The Challenge, past, present, or future if it's happening in The Challenge universe then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today. Coming to you live from somewhere in the outskirts of Las Vegas, Nevada, where I found some very blank-walled, nondescript, poor lighting office space to be using because a little bit of travel could not get in the way of a momentous day in challenge history, a day where we had to watch, we had to pod because... All-Stars 3 premiered just a few hours ago over on Paramount+, and we could not be more thrilled. What a day it is. What a season it is already shaping up to be, and the expectations, which were super-duper high, already being smashed through one episode, of which two episodes were dropped today. Can't believe it. They're giving us so much right off of the bat. That means we've got a whole heck of a lot to talk about today, and talk about it we will. But before we dive in, few housekeeping notes, the first of which relates to the fact that those two episodes were dropped today, episode one and two full-length episodes today, Paramount Plus, May 11th, wherever you are, you could be watching them. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not yet watched the first episode, that's very generous of you, very kind of you, but I think you've got those two things backwards, so maybe watch, then come back and listen. But two episodes were dropped. We are only talking about one today. We've got to give each episode its own space own room, got to give you all your feelings and reactions to each, every single episode. We're not mashing them together. So today, episode one, on Friday, two days from now, we will post episodes two recap so that the first one has a few days. You've got a few days to watch both if you're not going to binge them back to back, which I don't think you should. Watch one, listen to my podcast, listen to many of the great podcasts out there, let it marinate, let it sink in, and then move into episode two maybe sometime this weekend. That's what I more or less plan to do with mine being tomorrow. I will watch episode two in pod and get that posted on Friday. The rest of the season, however, we assume only one episode will be posted a week, which means we will have one podcast episode a week as well on Wednesdays, early afternoon, a watch in the morning, pod in the afternoon, post as soon as it is done, which means whenever you find time to watch this glorious, glorious program that we have in front of us, the podcast recap will be there waiting for you when you are done. Now, on the off chance that Paramount decides two episodes a week is a great idea and they continue to do that, which I don't think is the plan, but just in case they do, uh, were that to happen, we will keep the Wednesday, Friday, two episodes, each episode getting its own recap. But I think it's just going to be one a week from here on out, which means one podcast recap Wednesday afternoon. Along with that, aside from that, 2022 Challenge Series Rewatch will continue throughout the time that this All-Stars 3 season is airing. Two Mondays from now, we will have Season 8, The Inferno. Last week, we posted The Gauntlet, so the first seven seasons are up on the podcast feed if you want to watch those or listen to those or however you want to consume them. They are available for you. Inferno will be up about 10 days, two Mondays from right now at the time of recording. And then every two weeks after that on Mondays, we will bring another season and another season, continuing our way through every single challenge season over the course of this year, and maybe at this point even leaking into next year. Who knows how long it's going to take. But for the duration of this All-Stars 3 season airing and doing an episode a week for those, we will do one challenge series rewatch every two weeks for the next you know eight to ten weeks or so, however long All-Stars last. Now, the best news about that, though, for all of you fans who have never been able to stop asking me where can I watch these early episodes, which I've always had to begrudgingly say, I don't know. I'm sorry. They're not available. I can't give them to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, guess what? Today's your lucky day because as of the time of this recording, which may change, sometimes they get pulled, put up and then pulled down just as quickly. But season seven, eight, and nine of the challenge are at the moment 
are available to watch on dailymotion.com. You can check them out there. You just got to search for the right combination of words and you will find those episodes up there. So if you want to watch along with season seven, listen to that pod that was posted last week or season eight, which is coming up or nine, or then any of the ones after that are on Paramount. You can now follow along. So go get you some, watch along, listen along. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support for the series rewatch that we've got so far. Now, that is it. That is all the housekeeping we have. It's time to dive into this unbelievably great premiere episode. I can't believe how good it was, how strong of a foot we are off on. We're off to Panama to get hot and sweaty with all of our challenge favorites. Let's kick it over to the one and only, the great, the GOAT, the best television host in the history of television hosts, TJ Lavin, to get us introduced to this brand new game. In this game... It is the ultimate test. I know what's in store for me. Hell. The challenge final. I live for the final. I want it more than ever. We're the most cunning. I did what I did. I stand by it. And cutthroat competitors in the game push themselves beyond all human limits. For their shot at challenge glory. Now I've gathered you all here for a reason. For the first time in challenge history, only those who have qualified for a final have been invited. This game's about to get messy. I have never seen such savage competitors ever. We have some monsters. I want us to fucking dominate. I've come here to defend my crown. I've up the ante. This will be your biggest competition yet. I think that this is the greatest game that has ever been invented. No one saying does this stuff. No one. This is All Stars 3. This is the best of the best of the best. Thank you, Mr. TJ, for giving us that download more from him and me on the format of the game later, but that sets the stage a little. That's how the episode opened, but before we can dive into storylines or awards or power rankings or anything else, we must do what we do all the time when recapping every single episode, and that's get our minds wrapped back around what we just watched on the television, because a lot did happen within this first episode, so... We've got to go to the Cliff Notes recap everything that happened in this episode as fast as I can get the words out of my mouth. Here we go. Everything that happened. Episode one, All Stars 3, 3, 2, 1, and we are off. The show opens with TJ narrating, setting the stage for the game, which you just heard repeated moments ago on this very podcast you're listening to now. Then everyone arrives. Veronica and Tina kick it off first, followed by The Godfather. Then everyone else comes in in pairs and trios based on former castmates or winners, or as Tyler dubbed his group, The Hots. Everyone looks great. We get some confessionals with most of the cast, and Derek gives a super short house toast. The next day, Kendall's already leading yoga. Wes is already getting that treadmill thigh in, and Tina and Veronica are just enjoying looking at each other from bunk beds in a challenge house once again. Off to the daily challenge we go where the great TJ Lavin awaits. He announces it will be an individual game. One male, one female winner at the end, splitting $500,000. Their first daily challenge is then called Tunnel Vision. They have to race over to a wall, look through holes to see a puzzle key on either side, memorize it, recreate it at your station. First male done wins, last male done into elimination. Same thing on the female side. For the guys, it's Wes that gets the victory, much to everyone's chagrin, and Cyrus falling short, heading off to elimination. On the female side, Sylvia dominates and wins fast, faster in about half the time that the guys finished. And with challenge season one MVP, Cynthia falling short, she is right off with Cyrus into that elimination. Now, we find out after the game that the top three men and women will make up the authority, a new version of a tribunal, and they will together select the other two elimination competitors. Back at the house, they have a big old party, jungle-themed, and while everyone is dressed in fantastic themed outfits, it is Tyler as Tundra that steals the show. Who could have guessed? Everyone. Deliberations ensue. Jordan is thrown out as the big move to possibly make, but eventually Wes convinces the group to take the easy route and vote second-to-last place finishers, which means Tyler and Tina are headed into the arena. In that very arena, which looks amazing this season, by the way, Tyler faces off against Cyrus, Tina faces off against Cynthia in Crawl Brawl. 
which they try to make sound like hall brawl, and I guess it kind of is, but instead it's on the ground, on your hands and knees, where they have to drag sandbags through a steel cage tunnel past their opponent each time, get three bags to the other side, hit the bell for the win. All four individuals put up great efforts, but Cyrus and Tina, who take early leads that they never relent, get themselves a win and back into the game, which means Tyler and Cynthia say their goodbyes, and this historian tries to fix his broken heart. Why does Tyler have to be the first to go home? This is not fair. The episode then ends, but not before a this season on montage. And holy shit, is that Johnny Bananas music I hear? I think it is. Screen goes to black. Our hearts are racing. We don't know what's going on. But that is everything that happened on this episode. Episode one, the premiere of All Stars 3. Now that we know everything that happened, let's talk about a bunch of the different things in details. Let's run through some storylines, which... For the first episode of the season, it's uh, kind of all one big storyline, which is a reintroduction both to all of these players and an introduction to the game. That is really what's going on throughout the entire episode. So let's take it uh, kind of topic by topic here, not necessarily in uh, you know chronological order, but in a way this will be pseudo topic by topic and almost uh, walking through the episode, if you will. So let's just start up top with just general feelings about this premiere and about this season. Uh, if you didn't listen to our preview extravaganza, which was damn near three hours long. So I wouldn't blame you if you didn't get through all of that. But if you got through any of it, if you saw anything that were posted on Instagram, obviously you know that I, as it seemed, the entire challenge community was beyond excited for this season, which sometimes can set up you know expectations that are just never, ever going to be met. And one episode in, Holy cow, they, they not, were not just met. They were exceeded. Uh, it's everything we could have hoped for, I could have hoped for, I was hoping for, wanting, expecting from this cast this season. And just general feelings going in is just, first and foremost, All-Stars is so fucking good. It's just, it's, it's, it's the absolute best case version of the challenge. And, you know, we could kind of just say that matter-of-factly now that we're on to a third season we don't have to kind of shy away from the fact that this is everything every challenge fan wants from the challenge and a, a new season of the challenge. And it's fine. We get the flagship show may or may not, you know, be dying off or on its last breaths, whatever the hell the CBS challenge is. We don't care. All stars is absolutely fucking amazing in this episode. And this season looks to be no different. The season itself, it just, it feels really big. It feels really important uh, the the theme, which we'll talk about soon, of the all finalists, it it definitely works. It makes it feel like what they, you know, as I talked about in the preview, they originally first all stars first go around. They kind of incorrectly pitched that one from the first trailer and kind of the first narration as the best of the best. You know, all you know, champions and finalists and and you know the best players ever coming back to decide who's actually the greatest of all time. I believe they even used the term greatest of all time. And it was like, whoa, 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 that's not, that that doesn't look to be the show All-Stars 1 is putting in front of us. It looks to be putting in front of All-Stars, people, fan favorites, and just people we want to see on our televisions again, not necessarily the best players in the history of the game. And they quickly course corrected and got to that kind of, you know, imaging and branding for the remainder of the All-Stars 1 season. And then for all of All-Stars 2, that was what it was as well. And, you know, they really, we thought, got spot on about exactly how they were branding what this show was. And now in this third season, they have ramped it up to truly be, you know, about as close of a version to, you know, the best of the best as we've potentially ever seen. More on that in a second. But it looks one episode in, it's not only just living up to the hype, it's exceeding the hype, and I can't believe I'm saying that, and it just seems like a season that has all of the potential. Every single ingredient is there for truly an all-time great season of the challenge, which I think All-Stars has completely carved out, not just its own lane, but it is it is worthy of being compared right alongside flagship seasons, not just for, you know, wins and losses and things like that, but from a viewership standpoint of, you know, the shows are pretty equivalent to me at this point as what they are, what I'm trying to get out of them, what I want out of them. And so when I say it has a chance to be one of the best seasons of all time, I mean throwing the all-star seasons in with the flagship seasons where it could fall it has all the makings to be high, high, high on that list. We will see if it continues to live up to it, but through one episode, general feelings are absolutely ecstatic. Now, 
next thing to discuss. The house. Let's just start with the setting. We're in Panama. TJ Lavin's here. That's all great. Panama, it looks super hot. That will come up a lot. These people are dripping in sweat at every moment of this show, whether they just showed up to a daily challenge and it looks like they've already completed a daily challenge, whether they're just sitting outside the house, whether they just walked in from a limo that's supposed, I would assume, had air AC in it, but the moment they get outside, boom, dripping in sweat again. It looks so, so hot. But the house they're in looks so, so, so amazing. Now, Mark Long, a few weeks ago, did on an Instagram Live, just kind of very casually threw out that the house for this season was the best house in the history of the challenge. And it seemed kind of genuine. It wasn't like a promotional thing. It was just generally him like just kind of talking off the cuff and like, by the way, this house, wait till you see it. It is the greatest thing that we've ever used. And there's been some amazing houses in challenge history. We're only through one episode. We've only got some glimpses of all the parts of this house. But so far, he may have been correct. This thing is unbelievable. Three stories, big old yard space to one side, an infinity pool on the second story, a T-shaped pool going out from the house on the first story. You can go all the way down right to the beach and the ocean. The you know the view from the two uh, the twenty foot high ceiling and a windowed walled gym goes right out to the ocean. There's a pool bar, and next to the pool bar, it looks like you can go down below. Not only below, like the whole first level where there's some kind of secret space that may or may not just be for production. Maybe the cast isn't allowed down there, but if they are, some amazing little secret spots where you could go have you know your secret strategy sessions. Maybe if Nehemiah seemingly gets his way, a little secret hookup here or there, who knows, but this house has everything, including obviously bunk beds for everyone to sleep in. That's never going to change, but let's just hope the thing has air conditioning because gosh darn, does it look so hot there all the time. Hopefully that pool is nice and icy cold to relax and uh, chill off in, but the house so far has lived up to everything, and here's the hoping. It does have some nice secret areas. It seems plenty big enough, no matter what, to be able to find spaces to get away from people, to talk strategy, talk game, whatever you need to have happen, talk romance, whatever it is. But hopefully they're able to use all of the space and really take advantage of what seems to be an unbelievably great challenge house. Onto the theme and the format we touched on a little before. Let's dive further into it now. That would be the all finalist season. Yes, with a couple asterisks, Naya, Cynthia, Naya, you know, made a final, didn't actually compete in it. Cynthia, do you want to count season one as a final or not? She, in fact, herself came out on the podcast this week on the great Mike Lewis podcast and said she doesn't necessarily consider it a win or final or even like a challenge season, but they do. That's why they're there. Uh, to me, those asterisks don't really matter. Those two both very worthy competitors deserving of being in this field. And it does have that that, that gravitas and that feeling of it's all finalists here. It's almost, it's, you know, half the people or more have won. A lot of them have won multiple times. There's a lot of titles and money floating around in that room. And it just, it, again, as we said before, it kind of feels bigger, more important. And you could tell that the group feels so stacked and they can tell walking in the room that feel-good atmosphere of All-Stars is clearly still there. There's plenty of partying and dancing and everything going on the first couple of days. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you could tell they also, everyone in the room is like, holy cow, like that person's here, that person's here. I got to beat that person. Who, where, where, where's a layup? Where, where's anyone I'm confident I'm going to beat in this game and anything? There isn't any. And they're all saying that. They're all looking around at the same time, thinking the same thing, that this thing is absolutely stacked and going to be one of the hardest seasons that there's ever been to come out of it and win. And that's great. That's, uh, that's, you know, something that not a lot of seasons have been able to ever fully capture. There's a couple peaks where it really, really happened, but usually with kind of a small group. This one, um, you know, it just, it feels like it's maybe, you know, the most fierce cast we've ever had. I haven't run the actual numbers on that, but throughout the season, we'll kind of try to run the numbers on that and figure out where does this cast stack up versus the best we've ever seen. It should be said, as we touched on a, a little bit during previewing the season uh, that the male side is just truly insane and the female side maybe isn't quite on that level, which is as much, you know, to do with the history of the show and producing and cast and, and whatnot being, you know, how many time champions we have on the female side versus male side, a bunch of stuff that isn't actually the fault or, you know, the result of anyone other than kind of the production side and the marketing side and the show's history essentially. But obviously <laughs> 
the Sky's cast, you know, you know, the whole cast, the female cast is stacked, a lot of a lot of great competitors. But if you just zero in on the male half, like this is just an all-out bloodbath. Like I have no idea who who is, you know, even not on you know the top level in the preview. We we said Wes and Jordan were kind of above everyone, which I still feel that way, but they're above everyone in that like they're kind of in like A plus category and everyone else is in A. Everyone looks to be in fantastic shape. Everyone's motivated to come in and get a win and assert themselves. Everyone's kind of got a tie or two in the house that has an alliance and it is just absolutely unbelievably stacked. And I, it, it's just going to be insane to watch both the eliminations on both sides, how the entire game unfolds in general, but especially the male side, the eliminations uh, are just going to be really, really wild. On the flip side, the female side, I feel like the social, like the politics and the alliances and where that could go is going to be a little more, is a little more wide open. The male side seems like there's some op- more obvious coming in ties and more obvious already being made. Like, uh, th- this person's my boy, this person's my boy. I like everyone, but this is my number one. On the female side, it's a little bit more open. And so uh, just, it, it seems like everything, every part, every facet of the game is going to be fantastic all the way through. Certainly is that way to start the format of this game. Thankfully, it is individual. That was what we were hoping for. Uh, whether that means every daily challenge will be fully individual or not, you know, hoping that they pair up occasionally just so we could see some kind of iconic nostalgia-laden duos like a Veronica and, and Yes come back together. We will see. But it's an individual season. One male, one female will win their share of five hundred thousand dollars at the end. Love that. All for that. That's what we want to see. There is a six-person authority, aka tribunal. Why can't Here's the thing. Uh, I know they don't want to use the word tribunal because uh, that's what Survivor uses, and they used it once in the challenge, but they, they change it up every time. I get it, but like the, the one thing I would change from the challenge perspective is to have things be called the same thing every time they're used. So if you want to call it authority now, call it the authority the rest of the time. I don't know if it's the best name in the world, but tribunal, authority, uh, you know, inner circle from way back in the day, whatever you want to call it, the people with power, there's going to be six of them after every single mission. The not only single winners, but the top three male, top three female make up this authority. Those people vote one person from the rest of the house, male and one female, into the elimination to go against the last place finisher, finishers in the daily challenge. I like that setup. I was hoping for, and you know, predicting and, you know, mostly just, wishing for it to be the person that goes in gets to pick because I just always think that's so much fun and adds such an extra layer but you know someone has to pick that's always going to add a layer into the strategy and so given the people the winner's power all good by me the part that I'm not so thrilled about not totally in love with is that we have grenades again this season uh they're throwing a lot of stuff in here um not called grenades I believe they're called sabotages which again you called them grenades once before. Why don't we just call them grenades again? That's totally fine. Um, not a big, big fan that they're introducing these. I would love to just see how about the winners get to pick the order. Old school style, throwback challenge style, where you win one daily, you get to pick the order, and the next you're safe, and you get to pick the order. That's what you win. What's the power you get from winning a daily? That's all I wanted to see. We'll see what these uh, these sabotages, these grenades, which I will refer to them all season long as grenades, so just get used to that for me the whole time. Uh, but we'll see what they are, how powerful they are, what they actually mean. Uh, we won't, you know, we won't judge until we've seen them fully played out. But initial reaction, don't fully love those being introduced, but I will say I appreciate them being introduced from the start in that, uh, you know, the couple twists that we get, this one and the star system that we're about to talk about are both introduced from the start. I would love, 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 you know, if there's going to be twists, if there's going to be different, uh, you know, alterations to the way the game is played, then put them up front, play it the same way the whole season. That's my best, biggest wish for any format of any season is that it's just one format the whole way through. You can make it as complex or straightforward as you want. Just do it from the start. And so they are doing it from the start. It seems like We'll see if this means that there's going to be a bunch of twists throughout, but so far the grenades, not super fan of the star system that is introduced at the end. TJ, after the eliminations, announces, you know, look at your guys' jerseys. There's a star on it. Well, guess what? If you beat someone in an elimination, you steal their stars. Cyrus and Tina are now going to have two stars on their jerseys next time they put them on. He does not say what they are for other than they will bring you power at some point in the game. 
Now, at first glance, this felt like a red skull situation where you've got to earn your skull. Thankfully, he did not announce that it is you have to win an elimination to go, especially in a truncated, shortened all-stars season where there's not as many eliminations. That would very much turn into just everyone gets their one shot and there's not a lot of drama of who goes in when or whatnot. So I'm glad that's not a skull twist, but we'll see what the stars mean. It, it could be kind of fun if the version of it I could see myself really liking is just however many stars you have, if you make the final, that becomes some sort of benefit in the final. You know, you got four stars to your name. You won a couple eliminations. Here is, you know, a small advantage at the beginning of the final. I would like to see that reward the players that are thrown in over and over and kind of make, you know, the players that maybe if someone, if a West dominates the game and wins a bunch of dailies, he has to think about, oh, do I really want to target this person over and over? They've won twice already. They've got four stars to their name. What if it's a huge advantage? Then I'm going up against them in a final potentially, and they've got this huge advantage. So that's the version of it I could like, but same with the grenades until we see it play out until we know what they actually mean. I'm going to leave a kind of undecided grade on that. Then let's move into kind of the meat of the episode and talk a couple things. First and foremost, the introductions. The whole first, you know, first long segment is just reintroducing us to all of the cast members, and it is fantastic. They all come rolling in, dressed to the nine, some of them like a Mark Long with the stickers still on their shoes. What a fun moment that was, and just a genuine, you know, Tina and Veronica coming in first was perfectly choiced, perfect pick. They couldn't have done better. That's exactly what should have happened. The Godfather following them in and the three of them being given a minute to kind of have some fun in the space, just the three of them in there. That is absolutely, mm, God, they just nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the production for doing that. And we got the reward of it of, guess what? You put three of the people who have always for 20 plus years, 25 years in a Mark Long's case or more, 26 years, Ben, fantastic on camera. Ben's so entertaining, just in the mundane, hanging out, whatever. You throw those three on camera to start it, and guess what? Something hilarious and fun happens, like Mark laying down and them noticing the sticker on the shoe. So fantastic, great choice leading with them. Loved then having doing the pairings and the trios after that, and you know trying to find a way to have people come in in specific uh, matching up with specific people where you've got the three Austin cast members coming in together. You've got the three former champions coming in together, which quick side note, I do very much appreciate and think it is correct to frame it as we have three reigning champions all defending because yes, wasn't there an all-stars too. So we have the three all-stars champions who are all coming off of a win. I like that. It's very fun to kind of add that kind of as many defending champions as you can have the better for the kind of strategy and just the, the narration of it all. So liked, liked that. Everyone's looking great. All the outfits are fantastic. Everyone seems to be doing well. So loved everything about the introductions coming in, getting to have a moment with everyone, getting to, you know, re-up with a Cynthia, a Ronnie, some of the ones we haven't seen in a while, check in with everyone. Love, love, love the entire introductions. They honestly... As, as usual, um, as we learned, one of the, the main positives we learned from Spies, Lies, and Allies season 37 last year was when they did an entire episode zero, like a launch special that was just everyone coming into the house and us giving us a full hour of meeting everyone. Guess what? That's one of the best episodes you can give us. So um, wish we would have got a full episode of it here. I'm thankful we got, you know, the 10-minute version of it. But future All-Star seasons, give us a full where are they now <laughs> you know, hour, 40 minute, whatever, 45 minute episode doing that whole thing. But that segment was fantastic. Then next story was the parties. There was two of them the first night. We got barely a glimpse of a couple people dancing, but it looked like they had a great time the night that everyone arrived. And then a couple nights later, post first daily challenge, they have their jungle themed party. And all I've got to say is please, please, please production. Give us more. You gave us enough. I was satisfied. It was great. I loved every second of it, but why can't this episode be five minutes longer and you just add in more? I'm sure there's a more great footage, more hilarious conversations that are happening. You know, we got glimpses of all these incredible themed outfits. Everyone is looking unbelievable. And then it's rightfully so overshadowed by the entrance of Tyler, AKA Tundra. And that was amazing. I loved it, but give me, you know, instead of three seconds on every person's outfit and what they're up to that night, give me 
a minute on every person. Give me an extra five minutes. The show doesn't have to be a specific length time. It seems like they feel like it's supposed to be a 45 minute show. And I'm sure if there's, I don't know if there's an ad free versus an ad version of Paramount plus mine, whatever I'm paying for is ad free. So maybe there's an ad version that then hits an hour mark. I don't know, but you can feel free to make the episodes longer and show us more of these parties. Tundra slays as usual. Loved everything about that. Uh, as we said before, kind of overshadows everyone else, which, you know, it sucks because everyone else looked like they also had some incredible outfits going on, but it's completely awesome because we need as much Tyler and Tundra time as we can get, especially given what eventually happens in this episode, which we'll talk about soon enough. My heart is hurting. I don't want to talk about it, but we will. Um, final thing on the party is got to ask the question, is Mark Long sending out texts beforehand with like themes? Is someone texting the whole group is a, some, a member of production sending, you know, a Mark Long, a Cyrus, a Derek, uh, someone on the cast, like, Hey, here's the full cast list. Make sure you let everyone know to bring their outfits for whatever theme parties you're choosing. Like is Mark choosing what the theme party is going to be going in? Cause they obviously, you know, in episodes, in seasons past, they, you know, they had a nineties party on the first one. It seemed like everyone knew come in with that type of attire for a theme party. It very much on this one, like the jungle theme, they all do it in a big, big, big way. And they're all like spot on and very much on theme. So it feels like they had to know coming in that that was a thing. So who's sending those messages? Is it Mark Long? It has to be him, right? Anyways, that's all for the party. Let's move into the final couple storylines of, of the episode. Um, the one big storyline we'll get to in a moment, the true story, if you will, of the episode. But first, let's talk about the daily and the elimination. Give them some space here. The daily challenge itself, puzzle, great, great, great way to start it. Fantastic memory puzzle, loved everything about it. I like starting the season on a puzzle note, not a physical note. Save those for the middle of the game. If I was in charge of the challenge, laying it out, what the games are going to be across the full season, I personally would lean puzzle heavy early in the first third, physical heavy in the middle, puzzle heavy at the end, and then the final be a complete mixture of both, which it almost always is. That's how I would lay out a season. So I love when so far one episode in, it follows that, but I don't like throwing the super physical stuff episode one, because I think, uh, I just think everyone has a little bit better of a shot, even though some people are just as awful at puzzles or just as great at puzzles as they might be physically in a strength based or endurance based or agility based or whatever athletic based challenge. But it just feels a little more kind of open-ended, if you will, uh, throwing the puzzles first and last. Mix all the super physical stuff. It's got to be there. It deserves to be there. It's a part of the show's DNA, but kind of keep that in the middle. That's what I prefer. So, so far, so good. Loved the very first puzzle. Thought it was interesting how congenial everyone was. Everyone giving each other space. No one pushing each other out of the way to try to get a view of those puzzles to memorize. Um the main note from watching it, the guys panic checking theirs, just being like, ah, shit, someone said check, uh, check mine too. I, I literally don't have three pieces on my board, but check it anyways. Maybe I'm right. Obviously you're not, but we see a string of people checking it before Wes eventually gets the win on the male side. Yes, shortly behind him, Wes and yes. I feel like all season long, maybe are going to be at the top of the list. I'm going to have to say their names back and forth and I'm going to get confused and say their names for each other um, or just they're going to blur into each other. Who knows? But I'm seeing the sparks of a rivalry coming up, which if Wes's comments in a recent magazine interview are shed any light on what we might see, it seems like Wes versus yes might be a thing. So we'll continue monitoring that on the female side. Uh, Sylvia Kellyanne dominant uh, Jordan comments and confessional that the excuse me, that the women do it in about half the time that the men, the win men winners do. So big ups to them, uh, flexing the puzzle strength early on. And the four of those, Wes, yes, Sylvia, Kellyanne, all looking very, very comfortable, very, very solid daily number one. As for the other sporting event of the episode, that would be the eliminations. We'll talk about that quickly and then revert back to the one big uh, overarching story of this episode. But quickly, since we already talked daily, let's talk the elimination, keep the sports right next to each other. Crawl brawl is what we get, which probably going to be the closest thing to a hall brawl we see on all stars. Maybe not. Maybe the, the, you know, the more youth they infuse into these all stars cast, maybe we'll see a hall brawl one day. I hope for their, their sake and the medical team's sake that we don't necessarily, but 
crawl brawl. Uh, they have to crawl through the you know steel cage from one side to the other. We have seen something very very similar to this. I believe this is it was a battle of the X's two, possibly where uh, or battle of the X's one. I don't know. West lost this before. Uh, maybe it was Rivals. Rivals three was it West and Nani that lost to Dario and Nicole. Uh, possibly Rivals 3. I'm getting them all mixed up. But I know it was West that, you know, crawled through something of this side and, you know, ran past your opponent in the middle of it and ended up losing a, team, a partner elimination. But you got to crawl through this one, going solo, pass, you know, pi- dig through the pile of dirt in the middle, which one little strategy corner aside, uh, it seemed like maybe Cyrus did a little of this, maybe not. It was hard to tell. But you get to that middle part, and you're both removing sand from either side, just sit there and wait. Save your breath. Make the other person dig it out or make the other person realize you're not helping and stop too and make TJ tell you you both have to go or you get some penalty or something. But let the other person dig the hole. And once you see daylight on the other side, then you start digging too. Don't let them know you weren't doing that. And then you go through, save a little energy. I don't know. That's just me. I feel like they've all four kind of missed a little bit of strategy there. But good performances from all of them. Uh, I like, uh, you know, no one missing the, other, no one messing with the other person was a little bit of a bummer. You know, they wanted it to be, you have to pass each other in the middle. They all do so very cordially. No one tries to mess with each other, which I think from especially Tyler and Cynthia, once you're down, uh, the way they're carrying those bags, those bags, you know, are strapped to you. And so they're dragging behind you as you crawl through when you pass like Tyler, when you pass Cyrus, grab that bag, like you're behind like fuck with him, make him turn around and get pissed. And I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to gain you any time. I don't know if you're going to sit there and spend hours in the sand, just like holding on to the bag and trying to slowly inch him the reverse way. Seems difficult. I know, but like if you're clearly in last and going to lose one time, one of them, you know, doing something to mess with the other person seemed like maybe should have happened, but they were very friendly they go past each other. Tyler and Cynthia end up losing Cyrus and Tina get the win. Very good performances by all four. Again, it looks so, so, so hot. Like Cyrus after the daily challenge and the elimination truly looks like he actually just got in the pool and stepped right out of the pool and into the uh, confessional, you know, into the confessional booth or in front of the camera. He's dripping water. There's water splashing off of him. It looks so unbelievably hot there. The whole cast standing up watching are all dripping sweat uh, it looks like that is going to be a huge, huge factor all season long. Um, so just something to keep an eye on, but my goodness, keep the medics on standby. Cause these people are going to be dehydrated quickly and often, um, you know, Cyrus, and Tina win happy for them. Thailand City lose heartbroken for Cynthia. The season one challenge season one, first ever MVP of a season, Cynthia. It was so wonderful to have her back. Um, you know, we don't want to see anyone go home first. I would love to see her get even more screen time. It seemed like nothing's changed. She's still the wonderful person that she is with the big personality, the awesome personality that shows through on the camera. So we got a little of it. Sad to see her go, but super, super, super sad here at Challenge Historian HQ to see Tyler go, one of our absolute all-time favorites, one of the people we were most looking forward to seeing last season when he came back, same on this season, and now he's going home early as possible. And that's a big bummer. That's a big loss for the show, even with the stacked cast of all amazing personalities and people losing Tyler episode one is a big, big blow. But uh, we will we will forge on. We will not give up on the season just because one of our, if not our favorite person, gets eliminated. That is okay. And we'll move on and continue talking about the final storyline, the actual one real storyline. Well, you know, the story of episode one is just to introduce you, to introduce the game, everything like that. The real story of episode one, we've been burying the lead because the, the real story of episode one is Wes. It's all about Wes. The season seems like it may very well be all about Wes. He is the star. He wants to be the star. They want him to be the star. It's a role he's happy to play, and he does so. And whether, you know, it's through the ed- it's a lot through the editing for sure because they're clearly in the confessional booth asking everyone about, hey, what do you think about Wes? Wes is here. How about Wes being here? This, that, and the other, and they're all commenting on it. We get, uh, you know, two different montages of you know, Wes in the center and a bunch of people talking around him in confessionals, him on the, you know, right when he comes in, we get seven different people giving their comment about, oh, here's Rumpelstiltskin, you know, Durrell says, or here's car salesman Wes that Jemmy says, or whatever. We get him on the 
on the uh, treadmill later on with all these flashbacks to CT, Bananas, Jordan, whoever yelling at him, him talking himself up. He's treated as the star. Uh, You see it from not only he had eight confessionals, which was second only to Tina, who had nine and, you know, was in the elimination and was kind of really the heart of the plot of who might go home. So as many confessionals as anyone in the episode is one of the indicators of who's the star. Plus you add in the fact that, you know, 25% of everyone else's confessionals were about him. Um, He's the star. He wants to be, he is, they are making him out to be, and that's fine. He's happy to play that part. And the interesting thing in the, the really the testament to how good Wes is at television at this point and at the challenge at this point is it, you know, he is clearly playing a character in a part. It is a hundred percent clear when he walks in, he's coming in, he's like, I am cocky, manipulative, over the top. I'm going to kick everyone's ass West. That's who I am in this house. That's who I'm going to be. And it is a character. You can tell it is, you know, it is, it's a version of himself, but it's, it's a character. You can tell that. But the thing that he's able to pull off that I feel like is so difficult and that so few people could pull off is it's an authentic character. I, and it, it feels genuine. It feels authentic. Even if you know, in the moment, this is not a hundred percent who he genuinely is. It is a ver- genuine version of him. This is who he wants to be. Um, who in, he knows in real life he can't 100% be this kind of person because, you know, there's some negative sides to this persona, this character that he brings into the challenge house that are a little bit unlikable or that, you know, he would say, I don't want that to actually, that's not a real part of who I am. I'm a little bit better of a person than that, but it's who he wants to be. And for TV and for this game, it's okay to be that person. It's accepted it's encouraged to be that person. So he goes full tilt all for it. And it is a gen, it feels genuine. It feels authentic, even with knowing it is, you know, he's dialing it up as much as he possibly can. He's as much of the character of Wes as he can possibly be. And it's working so far, you know, I'm loving it. Uh, interested to know if the rest, you know, if other fans out there shoot us a DM at challenge historian, if you have thoughts either strongly pro or negative towards, you know, Wes clearly being the star in the main story of this season, whether you would, you think, uh, you know, it shouldn't be that way. You want to see other people get more and more time in the light. We'll see if this continues through episode one. Like it is just without a doubt, you know, that he commands the attention, uh, you know, from the second he arrives, he takes over the deliberation in a very, you don't want me in control, but I clearly am kind of way. Like he walks into that deliberation and everyone there knows like, you know, everyone plotting behind the scenes, talking about those in the deliberation or talking about like, oh, what's Wes going to do more than the rest of them? He walks into the deliberation, lets everyone else talk and then kind of hems and haws around. Love the moment where, you know, MJ says, I don't know, I might throw out the name Jordan. I don't want to run against him in a final. And Wes is like, oh yeah, you know, MJ, uh, boss MJ over there says, you know, something I may not disagree with. And he's just really just lathering it on. Uh, I'm not going to say that that's my opinion too, but obviously it is. So I'm going to say it kind of obviously without saying it. And it's just very clear. Everyone else in the group is like, we don't want this guy to be in control, but somehow it seems like he's a hundred percent in control of this deliberation right now, which he, from what we see eventually is kind of the one that puts the decision out there of let's go ruffle the least feathers. That's the best strategy for me and for everyone else sitting here. Let's throw in the second to last place finishers. They all do that. So he commands attention right away. He wins the daily challenge to start. He's already on that treadmill. He's already talking about running this entire game and doing everything the way he wants and winning every single thing. He's taking over the deliberations. He's in charge. He's the star. He is, he's the story. And, uh, hopefully, you know, everyone, I'm a huge West fan. I'm all for it. I love it. Um, and we'll see where that shakes out, whether, you know, this becomes just the West show for the whole season for as long as he's there, who knows whether that integrates into how the alliances shake out. That's one thing we won't really talk about with this first episode is where any alliances really are. Um, Cause none have really formed yet other than the just kind of obvious who's friends with who, but Wes is the story just the way he wants it to be. And so far so good because 
it's quite entertaining. So that's your biggest story. That's all of your stories. Let's move from the stories into a couple, relive a couple specific moments. Let's hand out some hardware. We've got some awards to give out for this episode. Three awards to hand out. The best quote, the best moment, and an episode MVP. Let's talk best quote quickly first. There was a bunch of them. With this group of all-stars, we've got a lot of former confessional kings or queens. We've got a lot of witty, funny, humor-filled people, a bunch of savages willing to talk shit, talk game, this, that, and the other. So we're probably going to in for a lot of great quotes throughout the season. This first episode had a lot of funny moments and quotes. First one, just chronological order. You got five nominees. We've got Tina, of course. Tina, the first thing out of her mouth, just as last season was, is just some absolute gold. She knows how to be entertaining. She is one of the best we've ever had at it and continues in the All-Stars world to be doing the same. She's coming in. She's asking if the door's got enough room for her ego. She's comparing herself to bourbon, the whole thing. Let's hear that from Tina. Under my name. See if this door is big enough for my ego. (laughs) People describe me as loud. I can be difficult. Kind of like a glass of bourbon, where at first it has a bite, and you're like, but I'm nicer than they expect. Here's to us. To us, you ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm happy you're here. I love you. Love you too. Second nominee then is the montage of everyone talking shade about Wes being in the house. I very much enjoyed all of the different little quick snippets and quotes about who Wes is and him entering the house. So let's just hear that from all the different people that took part. It's been a while. Oh no, I see Wes. I have such a complicated relationship with Wes. Good old Wes, Rumpelstiltskin, here we go again. He is known not to be trustworthy. (laughs) The wicked Wes of the West. He's basically a used car salesman. Scammy, scammy, scammy. Third nominee is then Cyrus, who is coming in looking good. As we talked about on the preview, he is not only coming into this season, but has continued afterwards, just absolutely getting shredded, putting forward an insane amount of work in the gym and out there running and biking and everything else. If you need some fitness motivation in your life, there are not many better accounts to be following right now than Cyrus on Instagram. So do that. He's coming in looking lighter. And as he comments after or before, I believe it was right before the daily challenge, he is down 40 pounds since the last time we saw him. It is the gun show. They ain't maybe the biggest guns, but let's hear him explain that new physique and how he's coming in, what his mentality is. Hear that from Cyrus. Comes the puzzles. I'm so-so. When it comes to colors, just a little colorblind. But we're gonna be all right. I'm here to show what I got. I'm fitter, I'm 40 pounds lighter. It is the gun show. They ain't big guns though, little 22s. But they'll heal you, hit you in the right spot, you dig? That's what I'm here to do. Then we've got Kayla talking a little smack about the age, the first one to drop. Uh, I'm younger, they're older, and to drop a little shade because of that. So here is her explaining why she thinks she'll be do well at this memory puzzle compared to her older competitors. I mean, I definitely think that it would be a little bit embarrassing if I lost this one, especially because I think this one's gonna have a lot to do with eyesight and I have better eyes than most of these ladies because they're much older than me. And I don't know if they brought their readers today. Finally, fifth nominee is Wes. Of course, Wes, with as much screen time and as much talking as he did this episode, was gonna find his way into the best quote category. He is given a grenade he thinks others would not want to say anyone's name, but it turns out that's exactly what he wants to do. Let's hear him on that. As if I didn't have enough power. TJ gives me something called a sabotage, and everyone's like, oh my God, there's gonna be so much responsibility. You've gotta say someone's name. Shut the fuck up. I'll say all the names. I love saying names. All right, you have 20. That is your five nominees, and while they're all great, I'm going to have to go ahead and give it to Tina. She not only wins the elimination at the end, but she gets the best quote of episode one. Big Bourbon fan over here, so I really appreciated that analogy she made and just the fact that she leads off the whole thing. Pressure spot, being the first to walk into the house, the first on camera, and she nails it. Nails the best quote of the whole episode. Hats off to her. Then, as for best moment of the episode, 
first nominee's got to just be all the introductions, and kind of within that, I would single out three particular entrances into the house uh, that are deserving a nomination for the best moment, but really the introductions as a total is kind of nomination number one. But Tina and Veronica, just seeing those two come back together, getting to see them kind of grab a glass of champagne, toast to each other, tell each other how much they love each other, and just their friendship rekindled on screen for us. And the two of them, as we talked about before, starting it all off with Mark there as well. The three of them giving us some great content right off the start, starting the episode on a big high note. Loved seeing those two women back together in a challenge house and loved getting them to kind of take a scope of the land before anyone else walked in and be like, all right, this is us. Like, this is the two of us again. Loved everything about that. Really, really enjoyed Jordan and Naya's reintroduction, them both commenting on past, uh, you know, not so great moments from them on the show and how, you know, they, what, how they feel about those former moments on the show they've had, where they are in their lives now, where they are as friends now. And maybe are they a couple unclear kind of seems they're at least very good friends at this point. Maybe they've been together. Maybe they're not, maybe they're going to get together on the show. Who knows? But really, really enjoyed uh, their introduction, them going up, you know, chatting by the pool kind of off on their own. Really enjoyed. I didn't know when, if we were going to get a reference to, you know, the last time, a couple times we saw Jordan on the challenge, he was getting engaged on the show to Tori and then doing another season with her. And then after that, you know, they ended up splitting up. Didn't know how much that was going to be referenced given the fact that, you know, Jordan has come out and explicitly said the reason he doesn't necessarily want to do the flagship is because he doesn't want to do another season with Tori on there because he thinks the editing would be unfair to both of them, which very likely would, definitely would have been if they would have both been on a season right away. Probably even would even however far down the road it is. So I totally get that. He's like, look, they keep casting her. They should. She's great. She can do that. He ends up in All-Stars, all the better for us. Did not know if there'd be any reference to, you know, previous getting engaged on the show, but Naya throws the little jab in, which shows you how good of friends they now are, that she can immediately be like, so you're going to drop down to one knee now or what? Thought that was very subtly hilarious and uh, an interesting growth moment that Jordan totally is like, yeah, like, of course I am, and laughs it off. Very funny stuff. Kayla walking into the pool is the other moment from the introduction, should be singled out. Just hilarious, uh, and totally, she will not be the last person to accidentally walk into the pool. The steps leading from the front of the house down into the yard slash pool, the T of the pool is the middle of the steps and has steps down into it. I doubt she will be the last, but it was very, very funny uh, the first and maybe only time that it happens. So the introductions are nominees number one for best moment. Nominee number two, obviously, the jungle party again. Why can't we have five more minutes of, of television? Why can't we see more of this? But everything we did get to see, Tundra's entrance, everyone's outfits, the dancing, and then even the little strategy sessions that were going on in little pairings here and there, all, all great. And then the third and final nominee for the best moment of the episode, um, usually this it's hard to come by an episode where the deliberation gets nominated for the best moment, and you would not expect that to be from episode one, but I really enjoyed and found very entertaining and interesting. The deliberation and who was talking, how what, how they were interacting with each other, where the, you know, who was putting a little bit of their cards on the table, a little bit of their strategy idea on the table, and who was not, and just, it, it seemed to be table setting a lot of stuff to come in this season, so I loved every single thing about it. So those are your three nominees for the best moment of the episode, but of course, Obviously, the answer to this is the jungle party. It's always the parties when it's an all-stars house. So that's the best moment of the episode. And we'll give that specifically. We'll allow uh, Tyler and or Tundra to accept that ward on the entire house's behalf, but definitely doing the most work, the most legwork there during that jungle party. Then, then of course, the big award, the episode MVP. There's four nominees for this. The first one uh, we'll go in order, kind of reverse order, leading all the way up to the obvious winner of the episode MVP, but getting votes on the ballot. Tyler, of course, our favorite. So sad that he's going home, but he gave us a lot in first episode. Wonderful confessionals, you know, dominating the, the, the theme party as Tundra, performing admirably in the elimination. You know, uh, just a bummer that that puzzle got a more or less got the best of him that shouldn't have maybe been so nice. He was one of the ones at the beginning of the puzzle that was, you know, very much being nice. Like, I'll wait my turn to see 
Um, very sad to see him go and, you know, hope he's back yet again for a future season and gets all the way to the end. The more Tyler, the better. We say it every single time. It'll be very sad not to have him, but a great performance for the single episode. He was here. Then we got Cyrus, you know, great elimination win. Some good quotes throughout coming in, looking fresh as always. Uh, you know, the OG slimmed down, shredded up having a lot of good moments throughout the episode definitely gets some votes for episode MVP as does Tina, the other elimination winner, you know, on the back of an elimination win starting off the season, just as she started off all stars to getting that, you know, that upfront spot to carry the open of the episode does fantastically has the best quote. Everything we talked about Tina, an absolutely awesome performance nominated for episode MVP, but Tyler Cyrus, Tina, they cannot win because Wes is obviously the episode MVP of episode one. Uh, they kind of made that impossible for anyone else to be the episode MVP. He went out of his way to make that impossible for anyone else to be, as we just talked about at length. He is the star of this episode. He very well may be the overwhelming star of the season. We will see if that plays out. But so far, he certainly was the MVP of episode one while the whole cast maybe we should give the episode mvp to the production side the casting side everyone for being there but wes will take home the award for episode one final things to discuss before we get out of here we run through the storylines of the episode we talked uh you know initial feelings we handed out some awards let's do a power ranking shall we we will keep these updated throughout the season and uh, we're going to go into the power rankings. Since we know it to be an individual game, one male, one female winner, we will have one female, one male uh, power rankings. And we're, we're going to keep it to a top three just because getting, getting any deeper than that is kind of messy. And with the casts as stacked as they are, it really is just kind of figuring out who we think is leading the pack because it seems like everyone has a damn good shot in this game. So let's talk female side first. And on the female side, we're going to put Kellyanne, Kayla, Jeanette as our top three in the female power rankings coming out of episode one uh, for a plethora of reasons across all three. It seems like those three from a game perspective, uh, both athletically, puzzles, social, political, the whole thing, they're very well-rounded. They're people we had high expectations for coming into the season, and nothing has swayed that after one episode. We not only picked Kellyanne to win, but we also are rooting for Kellyanne to win, so love being able to objectively put her at first in the power rankings. I just think she is very much maybe the woman to beat in this uh, in this season, so that's where she's at in the power rankings with Kayla and John A. right behind on the male side, we're going Wes, Derek, and Yes. Now, Wes obviously not is, you know, one episode in, running the game, gotta win, is just as good as a physical competitor and at this game as anyone in this stacked cast. So he gets the number one spot, even knowing that, you know, his attempt to completely and utterly dominate the game in every facet of it, they very well put a big old target on his back that gets him out. But while he's there, he seems like he's going to be in pole position. He is on our power rankings. He's in first. I'm putting Derek at second because out of all, all these guys could win. All of them could win a final. They're, they're all in great shape. Uh, for the most part, they all seem like they could handle the puzzle stuff, social, political. I have no idea how it's going to shape out on either side, especially on the male side, as far as who's going to get to a final, who could win. But it feels like Derek is going to be one who maybe, if anyone can fly under the radar and isn't necessarily looked at as the huge threat or the huge enemy from an alliance standpoint, feels like he could get that spot. So he's just kind of my placeholder of the few people that I feel like are in that really solid position. He's at number two, and yes, is at number three because I think he won before. I think he can easily win again. I think he's going to get alliances on his side. And I think when this West versus Yes thing really takes shape, that maybe more people go to Yes's side than they do Wes's, but either way, it feels like he's in a powerful position early on and uh, is being set up to be one of those big-time players this season. So Wes, Derek, yes, on the male side. Kellyanne, Kayla, and Jeanne on the female side. That is our power rankings coming out of episode one. We will continually update them throughout the season as All-Stars 3 goes along. Final thing to do before we head out is predictions. Let's both check in with our preseason predictions, how those are already off to a not great start, and then make a few for the next episode of this season, which we'll be thankfully watching right away since it's already out and available on Paramount+. Plus. So preseason predictions, the big one that we've already gotten wrong was 
We went ahead and tried to predict the first two people to go home. We said it'd be Cyrus and Jemmy for literally just drawing out of the hat. No real reason. Cyrus was in the elimination, so it was close, uh, but neither he nor Jemmy went home first, so we were 0 for 2 on that prediction. But over on the finalists and winner side, we predicted the finalists would be Wes, Nehemiah, Brad, Mark, Kellyanne, Kayla, Veronica, Ronnie. All eight still standing. Haven't got any of those wrong yet. We thought Wes and Kellyanne would win. They're both looking solid. They both lead our power rankings uh, after episode one. So those looking looking as good as they could possibly look, but a little... I'm not not bummed that Cyrus and Jemmy didn't go home. Great, keep them around, but a little bummed I'm already 0 for 2 on my preseason predictions. Anyways, moving on to some predictions, looking forward to the next episode, which we got a little next season on montage. We'll touch on that here in a, in a moment because there was one very big thing to talk about in that, but we will truly do it last, last, last here so that if you don't want to hear that, if you're someone who doesn't like watching the next week's on or the, ne- the season's on uh, for possible spoilers that are in them, then you can you can turn it off here in a few seconds. But before you do, some predictions for episode two, which I will be watching very soon after uh, I finished putting together and uh, putting this podcast out to the world. That would be, I've got five random predictions, some a little more serious than the other. First one, I know this one's going to be right. Everyone's going to be very sweaty again. Guaranteed, mark it down, no spoiler, but I know that I'm right about this one. Holy cow, I just can't believe how hot it looks. I feel for those players. The house is beautiful. The setting is beautiful. The game is so fun. But damn, it is clearly just unbelievably hot uh, where they are. So prediction number one for next episode. Everyone will be sweaty. I'm already one for one. Nehemiah is going to figure out who is single in the house. That is uh, uh, prediction number two, which I hope comes true. I love seeing him immediately being like, I'm one of the single guys here. Let's find out who the single ladies are. Uh, I thought going into the season, I wasn't positive who, if any, doesn't seem like many are single. So Nehemiah, go ahead and get that figured out and uh, update all of us viewers back at home. Who's, who's available in that house? Third prediction, King's Palace 2.0 will be created. I think we saw the beginning of it. We saw a little, a little meeting, a little just kind of dap up and uh, catch up between Nehemiah, Letarian, and Cyrus. Nehemiah and Letarian were firmly a part of the King's Palace Save the Palace Alliance from last season. I think that that King's Palace 2.0, bringing in Cyrus, maybe bring Melinda's still a part of it. Maybe Ronnie is brought in. Maybe they bring in some others. Maybe it's just those three guys kind of riding together. But I think there will be some sort of King's Palace 2.0 alliance that starts to emerge and is even mentioned maybe by name next week. Prediction number three. Prediction number four. Wes is going to be thrilled to use his grenade, which again is what I am going to only refer to the sabotages as. Grenades, that's what they're called. Let's just keep one name all the way through. Wes will be thrilled to use his grenade. Sylvia will not be enthused about using hers. That's prediction number four. And prediction number five, the big bold one, Jordan will be voted in next week. I think the seeds were already planted that the whole house, the one person they fear the most is Jordan. I think he's going to get thrown in next week uh, right away. I don't know who's going to do that throwing in, but it seems like pretty much everyone on the male side is going to be in agreement of if we decide to take a real shot and not just go diplomatic, worst people or worst uh, finishers go in, then Jordan's going to be the first one that gets a shot thrown at him. I think Jordan will be voted in. So that's the final prediction. As for then that next or this season on clip. So at this point, uh, this is the last final thing we'll talk about for like one minute on the podcast. If you are someone who does not like to watch the this season's on, the next week's on, you want to go in totally blind, I'm with you. I'm I'm borderline one of those people myself. You know how I feel about actual big spoilers. So feel free to turn off the podcast now. Thank you for listening. But for those who did watch the this season on, there was a there was a lot of interesting flashes of things on it that looked very fun, including the the, the high wire trivia. Uh, that we saw in the trailer too, and that seems like it's going to be a great trivia challenge. But there was one really big, big, big reveal in the this season on that can't go uncommented. There's no way once you saw it that it isn't what you're thinking about. And I'm I'm stunned that they gave this away in a this season on uh, it because I there's no way this is like happening next episode. It has to be happening later in the season, like pretty far down, which means they're giving away arguably their biggest shocking twist of the season. But TJ mentions that he's brought in some help, which is his way of saying there's mercenaries involved at some point this season. And then we get a flash of who one of those mercenaries is. 
and it is none other than the GOAT himself, Johnny Bananas, and Wes is not happy when he finds out, when he sees this, whether that means that Wes is going to have to go against him, who knows, but Johnny Bananas will be making an appearance on All Stars 3, which was always speculated that he was a part of this cast. I, for one, was certain because of some random inside info that I had uh, that he was not a a full-blown cast member, but uh, that did not close the door on him making an appearance in some way. I love, love, love the idea of having mercenaries be a part of All-Stars. That is our only chance at getting some absolute fan-favorite OGs back. The number one choice for that being The Miz. I want to see The Miz come in, and because of his relentless schedule with the WWE and professional wrestling and all of his television shows and everything else he's doing, there's no way he could ever find the time to do a season of All-Stars, but there is maybe the time that he could you know, do a fly-in film for four hours, fly back out, give him whatever money he needs for the appearance, let him do one elimination for someone. So that's my dream casting for a mercenary, but it doesn't get much better than bringing in the goat. You know, maybe, maybe if it's bananas and CT, I don't think that's possible based on filming schedules, but if it was, holy shit, (laughs) Um, maybe it'll be a Cara, a Laurel, someone on the female side, who knows, but bananas will make an appearance. It will be epic. It will be amazing. And uh, I can't, I actually can't believe that he was willing to do it as a mercenary. Eliminations aren't really his thing. So coming in and just being willing to come in as a mercenary, uh, an interesting move, but he's also got a ton going on, you know, filming first look, doing the podcast, everything else he's got going on, all of his merchandise, everything he's got going on. I'm sure it's, you know, still, he he's clearly shown he wants to get back in the challenge world. So maybe this is a good way to just get the foot back in the door and then come back for a full season later. But can't believe we got that into this season on. Can't believe it's going to happen. Um, you know, hoping that it doesn't happen until middle of the season. I hope it's not like episode two. Um, who knows? By the time you're listening to this, I will probably have watched episode two. And maybe Bananas will have already come on our screen and lost an elimination to Wes. And we'll be moving on. Who knows? But can't believe it's here. Uh, can't believe All-Stars 3 is here. I'm so thankful to Mark Long, the whole production team besides all, behind All-Stars, the entire cast for being willing to put their lives on hold to go film this wonderful show for us. First episode in, expectations exceeded, killer season, love everything about it. Thank you so much for being here and listening to this recap episode of the first episode. As we said at the top, we'll be back in two days with episode two. And then every Wednesday after that, Wednesday afternoons, we'll get the episode recaps out. Follow or subscribe wherever you are listening. Follow us at Challenge Historian on Instagram for more content, including a bunch of content about those OG seasons, Inferno season recap pod, two Mondays from now coming at you. Thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute pleasure. Until next time, peace. We'll